stand with us. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen.
Anybody glad to be here tonight? Anybody got faith and an expectancy in their heart that God is going to do something incredible? I, I've been kind of drawn to this scripture tonight. I just wanted to read it. It said on, in, in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands inside and, the, inside. and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
And after Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then he said this, or, or says this, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking about the breath of God, that creation started, that life came when, when, when God breathed into man, life came. And we see this even in John chapter 20 that, that Jesus came and he, he calmed their fears and he sent them out. He gave them authority, but something very important happened. Along with the breath of God, the Bible says this. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive. There's something tonight that we need to get a hold of as we worship. We need to learn to be receivers. We need to learn to accept the grace of God. We need to learn to, to like, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing this here as the welcome, but we watch football and we catch the ball and we run with it, but it isn't till we catch the ball that we can run with it. We have to receive it today. I want you with me if we can in this next 30 seconds or a minute or so, I want to pray and I want us to get in a place and a mindset where we can receive in a, in a heart that's ready to receive in a, a mind that's focused on receiving. Father, we love you and we thank you tonight we praise you God we thank you for the breath of God that brings life God we thank you for the breath of God that sends us out God we thank you for the breath of God that gives us boldness God empowers us and equips us to go out and be who you called us to be and God let us be a church that's forever receiving your grace God forever receiving God your gifts and God not in a way God that we are are, are puffed up but father in the most humble gracious thankful way God tonight we ask you God to pull the roof off of this place and breathe on us God in such a way God we go out God and everywhere we go God everything we say the voice and breath of God is experienced God wherever we go in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus amen amen how many are humble receivers tonight we're ready to receive something from God tonight amen well, we're thankful that you're here. We welcome you on this wet night, this cold night. We want you to get out of your, your chair or get out of your pew there and welcome each other into God's house tonight.
How many know that he is great and mighty? I love this song because it reminds me, it constantly reminds me he is great and he is mighty. No matter what we face, no matter what we face, he is great and mighty. He's sovereign. He's perfect, Kathy. He's perfect. He asked me the other day, he said, if I could come into this room, what's the number one thing you would say to me? And I said, well, Lord, I don't know if you have many people say this to you, but I love the fact that you are nothing like me and that you are perfect and you are sovereign in bad times and in good times. He's perfect. He's sovereign. In death and in life, you walk away and you say he's perfect. He's sovereign. What do we have to fear? What do we have to worry? Nothing, because He's perfect. Amen, amen. Oh, great and mighty is our God. Great and mighty is our God. Great and mighty is our God.
you'd like special prayer tonight, I want, we're just going to change the order right now. We don't have this on the program. But if you have a special need of any kind, I want you to feel comfortable just to get out. We're going to agree with you and pray the prayer of faith. How many of you know what the Bible says? The prayer of faith will save the sick. It'll heal and touch your body physically. He'll touch your relationships. He'll restore in your life. God will do all things well and perfect in His name. Amen. If you feel led, come forward.
the throne, Lord. We call your name, your name above all names. Your name is higher, Lord. Your name is higher, Lord. You said if we lift you up, you will draw all men to me. Lord, we lift up your name tonight. Oh, we lift up your name tonight, Lord. Oh, yeah. Right now, where you are, would you just like take your own hand and lay it on right up here on your chest? I want you to pray for yourself. I believe you're anointed tonight to pray for yourself. If your wife is standing right there with you or your husband, I want you to reach over and take their hand with the other hand. And I want you to join with them. They're, you're one together in the Spirit of God, made one by, by the God of your heart and faith. I want right now for the Lord to move in this house. You're anointed by the Holy Spirit to pray for yourself and for your mate. Right now, would you begin to do that? I want you to pray miraculous, mighty God power in their lives. Lord, we agree together and ask it to be done to your glory and honor. I pray tonight, Lord, there will be a supernatural touch of the Spirit of God right now over our own physical bodies. Touch us from our head to our feet. Lord, if there's any need of healing, we pray for it tonight in Jesus' name. We pray for strength. We pray, God, for wisdom. We pray against all fear. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke the attacks of the enemy on our mind. We refuse to allow him to stagnate us or to make us complacent in our faith. We pray right now for power, power, wonder-working power in the lives of your people. Now touch the mate of our hearts. Minister to them right now. In the name of Jesus, bring healing, bring strength, bring, bring victory. Bring your love alive in them and let them feel the power of their mighty God. We agree together that it's done tonight in a unified faith, believing that our Lord is performing miracles, angels dispatched all over this sanctuary to perform the perfect work of our mighty God. And we give you the praise, we give you the honor, and we give you all the glory for it's in your name that we pray. And everyone agreed, agreed in faith and said amen. And now I want you to be like that one leper out of 10. I want you to turn around and give God great praise. As you praise him, the devil will flee. As you praise him, the devil will have to run. When you praise him, disease will drop, yokes will break, and the power of the bow. In the name of Jesus, the power of the Lord is present to heal. In Jesus' name. I want you to feel that right now. I want you to sense, I felt the Holy Spirit knock me in the head to tell you and to, for you to understand what he's doing. He is performing a work. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Do you believe that tonight? I want you to put your hands together and let this place roar with praise and honor and glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Mighty is our God. Mighty is our God. Some of you got it. Some of you feeling it down deep in your, your feeler. Where is that? I don't know where the feeler is. Some of you feeling it tonight. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Thank you, young people. I believe you've sung unto the Lord. I believe you've given him worthy praise. Not because you're worthy, but because he's worthy. You've honored him tonight. You've blessed him. And you've led us in worship. Thank you for that. Things are done in the spiritual realm when you sing to the anointing like you're singing now. It's more than just the talent that you got. And you got great talent. But when you sing under the anointing, that's when the Spirit of God is able to move. And he goes in, I believe, in, in waves around this audience. He touches people. And you get to be the ones who help lead that. Thank you for that. I want God to bless you. I want you to stretch your hands towards these young people. This choir and these young people right here. Would you do that right now? Let's pray over them. In the name of Jesus, God, you bless our young people. Thank you for them, God, and their lights. Thank you, Lord, that they sing under the power and the anointing. Lord, I know the devil's fighting them. I know some of them are struggling in their faith. I know, God, at times the enemy would try to take every bit of it away from them. But I thank you right here, right now, tonight, Lord, the power of the Lord is moving, not only to bless others, but to bless them. We pray over them protection. We pray over them the power and the presence of God. I pray that you will absolutely rebuke the enemy on their behalf, God. We pray in Jesus' name there'll be no attack or enemy plot or plan that can come against them we pray a yoke of praise and honor and glory around them yes a rope of protection a hedge of protection according to your word let that be over their lives and over their hearts and I pray that they'll continue to sing they'll continue to lead they'll continue to praise and Lord they'll continue to grow in their own relationships with you until they are saturated and overwhelmed we praise you we thank you for the witness in their hearts and we give you the glory for it tonight in Jesus name amen 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 how many of you believe that's right to pray for our kids amen oh come let us sing unto the Lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation let us come before his presence with thanksgiving make a joyful noise unto him with psalms for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods and in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, verse 6 says, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. The psalmist went on to say, for he is our God. I'll just stop and let you say amen right there. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you will hear his voice. How many of you have ever heard the Spirit of the Lord speaking in this house tonight? I love what God is doing in us. I want you to remain standing where you are. We're going into our worship time. I felt led tonight that we ought to worship the Lord with our gifts. We don't do this every time. But I just saw in my heart while we were standing there worshiping the Lord, I thought it's time. Some of you are in financial problems and you've got all kinds of issues going on in your life and you need God, you need him to give you a breakthrough in your finances. I feel like part of the prayer and the praise 
and the, the sense of the Holy Spirit that's here in this place, I want you to get your gift in your hand. Tonight, it's not an offering so much as it is a seed for you. Now, I am not somebody who preaches, a, you know, the seed messages all the time. I believe in them, but I am not one that's done this, but I am... I feel prompted by the Spirit of God that you need to get something in your hand. I don't care if it's a nickel or if it's a dime or a dollar or a hundred dollars. Whatever you've got, I want you to get something. Oh, I feel the Lord in this. Test Him and show and prove Him. I'm believing tonight for you. I'm believing there's going to be a blessing in your life. Somebody says, oh, there goes that preacher with the money thing. Anybody who knows me, I've been here 33 years, I do not do this. Say Amen. I don't do this. I'm not one of those preachers. But tonight, right here, right now, I'm going to follow the leading of the Lord. And he doesn't want to bless the church. This is not about blessing the church. This is, my Lord. If you will hear the Lord, if you will hearken unto the Lord and hear his voice today, this is for you. For every one of you that'll get something. And if you've got to borrow it from your wife, get something in your hand. I don't care if it's a nickel. Get something in your hand. And I want you to begin as we sing again. I want them to get ready. I want you to get out from where you are if you can. If you can't, you give it to someone else to bring for you. But I want you to get something in your hand. And I want you to come saying, God, this is for my needs my family's needs. This is for the mission that you've called me to. This is for the ministry. Lord, this is for our needs to be met. And the Bible says, for we know that God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in heaven. I want you to get something. I'm going to get something in my hand now. I want you to as well. We're going to worship the Lord with our gifts. Father, we come in obedience to you, to your word, your voice speaking to our hearts. I pray over every family. I pray over all finances. I pray, God, over your work in their lives. I pray for promotion. I pray for blessing. I pray, God, for miracles. I pray for you to provide for your people tonight. And Lord, we are coming to prove you as God. We'll hearken and obey your voice. And as we do, we will see the good of the land come to those who trust in obedience and faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Come, come and worship the Lord.
close our eyes and lift our hands. Let's just spend a moment in his presence. There's no rush tonight. His word says that he inhabits the praise of his people and he's here amongst us tonight. So open your heart and just take it in. Tell him how much you love him, how much he means to you. Lord, we've come here tonight for you. We're so thankful to have a place that we can come together and worship you. We're thankful that you would love us enough, Lord, that you would send someone to rescue us. Lord, and we're here because of that love. We wanna express that love to you tonight. And we honor you and we worship you. We praise your name and we thank you. Not for what you've done, but for who you are. You are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight. We ask that you would minister to us through your word. Lord, it's our desire that we would grow in our relationship with you, that we would honor you, that we would please you with the way we live, with what we do, with what we say. And I ask that you would show us tonight, Lord, something that would motivate us, that would grow us, that would inspire us to continue to pursue you and to live for you. And then your precious son, Jesus' name, we pray, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Well, Pastor, you left your Bible up here, so there must be a lot of anointing. <laughs> Maybe seated. Wow, beautiful, beautiful Oasis praise team tonight. That was wonderful. Well, it's good to see you. I'm glad to be here tonight. I didn't get snowed out. I got snowed out a couple weeks ago. I was anticipating and waiting and wanted to come in and, and felt the Lord to give me something to share, and, and then the snow beat us to it. Then uh, it looked like it was going to snow again, and I told pastor, I said, you know what, if you guys want a night off, just schedule me. <laughs> you know, at least in the wintertime it works, but tonight that didn't happen. I have a unique opportunity tonight to, to be able to share in English. I usually am up here on Thursdays, and I'm doing all I can to try and process what I feel the Lord's been giving me in, in English and, and get it out in Spanish, and I'm usually terrified to death that I'm going to say something wrong, you know, and, and so I have my notes, and, and I'm worried I'm watching the faces of the people and trying to, you know, see their reaction just to make sure that I'm not saying something wrong, you know, and tonight I'm worried about speaking my own language, <laughs> go figure, I'm just messed up, <laughs> just messed up, but the topic that I'm going to try to tackle tonight is, is the pursuit of authenticity, keeping the main thing the main thing. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, but I sure did when I was young, about keeping the main thing the main thing. And it's a catchy phrase, but it also means that there's a lot of work on our part. You know, if we want to be authentic, if we want to be the church that God intended us to be, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. That means we need to make adjustments and we need to make changes and we gotta do all we gotta do to stay on course. And in this life, it's, it's real easy to get off a course, to get off on a different path and off on a tangent or, or to get focused on something else and not even realize that we're not where we should have been 
or to not even realize that we're a lot more distant from God than we really thought we were. And I want to share a life lesson that I learned in California. I shared this about a year ago with the 830 service, but it's something that impacted my life, and it's something that can apply over to our spiritual life. I didn't grow up in Ohio. I grew up in Southern California, and, and I missed the beach something terrible. It would be perfect for me if they would just take the Indiana state line and, and God would just sink everything from the west of that line and bring the beach over here. Of course, if you guys have family that lives past that way, they would be relocated first. But for me, I, I, love, I love the ocean and, and grew up, and Huntington Beach was, was a place that I used to love to go to. And if you ever heard of Huntington Beach, it is, it's a beautiful beach. And it goes on for miles. And what's so unique about this beach is that for miles it looks the same. You know, it's beautiful sand. It's, the waves seem to come in, you know, in, in, in synchrony and everything is all the same. Looks like all the seagulls are flying the same way. I mean, it's just a beautiful, pristine beach. And they have these guard towers that just go on for miles. They're all painted the same color. They all look the same. They're all facing the same direction. And even the lifeguards that are up in these towers all look the same. They're all wearing the same red shorts with that same awesome tan that I could never get. See, because I'm the type that burns, but they always seem to be able to tan. The only difference about these lifeguard towers is that they would have numbers on the sides. They would go from one to, I don't know, I don't actually honestly know where they finished, maybe a couple hundred, but they went on for miles, so I'm assuming there's a number of them out there. And the numbers made it easy to meet with people. If you wanted to meet with some friends after school, you'd just say, hey, let's meet on lifeguard tower number five. So everybody would meet at lifeguard tower number five, and you'd take your stuff, and you'd set it next to the lifeguard tower because the thought process there is if your backpack, your towel, and everything's there next to the lifeguard tower, nobody's going to try to steal it. No one's going to try to come up right underneath the lifeguard and steal your stuff. So we'd leave it there, and then we'd go out under the, in the ocean, and we'd start swimming and body surfing and floating around and just enjoying the scenery, enjoying the ocean. You know, and a couple hours later, we start to get hungry and talk about wanting to come in and go to our favorite eating hole, the Jack in the Box, and, and we start to walk up out of the beach, and we walk up to the lifeguard tower, and we're looking around, and our stuff's not there. We're scratching our heads, and our bags are gone, our towels are gone, our shoes, everything's gone. And so we're immediately looking at everybody else that's around us to try and see, well, maybe they got our stuff. Nobody around us had our stuff either. So we're sitting there talking amongst ourselves, and then before too long, the lifeguard looks down at us, and he says, what are you guys doing? I said, well, we're trying to find our stuff. We sat it right here, and now it's gone. So I've been here all day, and I haven't seen you guys once. So well, no, it was right here. This is where we put it. And he says, I'm telling you, I've been here all day. I haven't seen you guys not even once. Are you sure you guys are at the right lifeguard tower? So one of my friends, John, looks up and says, wow, this is like 80-something, 80 85. We started out at 5. The lifeguard says, you guys got to be careful. Don't you understand that there's a parallel current that goes along, goes along the shore. And he said, if you're not paying attention when you're out there in the water, if you're not making the adjustments, if you haven't focused on something and fixated on something and anchored your vision on something when you got into the water, and if you're not paying attention, you're not making the adjustments, you can very easily end up miles off course and not even realize it, not even realize it. 
And then to get back, you have a long walk in hot sand. The moral to the story that I've applied to in my spiritual life is that we have to have those anchors, Marty. Those things that keep us where God wants us. You know, do you remember that day that you gave your heart to the Lord? We've heard Pastor Ray's testimony several times at O'Hare Arena. O'Hare Arena. I could, I could actually recite it to you guys, but I'm not going to do that tonight. I think I got it wrote down here. No. But, I mean, you guys have your O'Hare Arena. <laughs> you have your O'Hare Arena moment, don't you? I mean, everybody does. Is that, that, that day that, that we were so desperate in our relationship with, with the world, I would say, because we tried to live our way, you know. All of us started out that way. We all tried to live our way, you know, and we're out there doing things the way we thought best and, and making our own decisions. We're big people. We don't want to listen to our parents. We don't want to listen to anybody that was older than us. We're going to figure it out on our own. And then we got out there and fell in a huge hole, realized that we couldn't get out of it, and the only person that could get us out of that hole was God. He was the only one, and he showed up. He rescued us, and he meant something to us that day. And we meant something to him, and we saw that. And we were so on fire, so in love, so passionate about wanting to be in his presence and to please him. We're so thankful for what he did for us. We're ready to set the world on fire. I don't know if it happened in your life, but in my life, I went around trying to talk to everybody that I'd ever offended. You know, I was trying to find anybody that, that I thought I needed to ask their forgiveness for. You know, and then after that, I wanted to share my testimony and share what the the Lord had done for me, and, and I was just on fire and, and passionate about sharing him with other people. But unfortunately, something happens to us, I think, if we're not careful in the church. We forget. We forget what the Lord's done for us. We forget what hole he dug us out of. We forget how we felt, how lonely we were. And how incomplete we were because, you know, everybody tries to fill their hole in their, in their soul with, with things. Try to fill it with alcohol or, or drugs or people or, or I'll stop there. But you know where I'm going with it. But the only thing that truly, truly makes us complete is the love of God. And once we get that and we have it, it seems that if we're not careful if we're not anchored to that moment, if we're not anchored to, to how we felt at that moment, the current of life will take us away and we won't even realize it. We won't even realize it. One week, one month, one year, two years, it just passes and we end up way off, far away from where God is, not even knowing how we got there. It's important for us to, to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, because God has work that he wants to do with us. It starts out about us, but ultimately it's not about us. It's about what he can do through us. We're to be conduits of his love and his mercy and his word to the, to, to the world. We're to be conduits. Nothing more. It's not about us. You know, and so when we talk about being authentic, that's important. It's important because being authentic 
is who we are to the world. And what are we, what are we transmitting to them? Pastor has been speaking about authenticity and, and being genuine and being real in our relationships with, with God for, I want to say, several months now. Back to last year, the Lord would use Pastor to, to talk at different parts of his messages about being real, about being authentic. I think the Lord's trying to take us somewhere. He's trying to take us back to the basics to get us refocused on that anchor. You know, we're, we're going to come into a new year where our church is celebrating 100 years. That's a long time, and that's something to celebrate. Most churches don't make it past seven. You know, but for our church to make it 100 years, that, that's awesome. There's a lot of history, a lot of things to celebrate, a lot of things to get excited about. But our work's not over. Our work's not over. As a matter of fact, it's going to get a lot harder. And it's just beginning. We have a great foundation. Great foundation. But we have to move forward this morning, march forward. You know, our marching orders, I want to go to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, talking about going back to the basics, keeping the main thing the main thing. Jesus gathers his disciples, and everybody knows this passage, but just bear with me. But Jesus gathers his disciples, and he tells them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you until the end of the age. I like that last sentence, because if you want the key of being in God's presence every day. Well, there you have it. So surely I'll be with you always until the end of the age. Just be busy about what he wants you to be busy about. Be focused on the task. See, we have a big responsibility. It's not about us. It's not about us staying in these church walls and taking care of each other until Jesus comes back. And pastor has said it. A few times, it's not about us four and no more. And being authentic has a lot to do with how well and how much influence we're going to have and how much success we're going to have while we're trying to fulfill this mandate. Because people don't need religion. They need to see a relationship. Religion doesn't save. Religion condemns. They need to see that we have a real relationship with a real God. They need to see that. So it's not about us just staying in the lifeboat. You know, I had something that impacted my life here. I'd only been here for about a year talking about lifeboats. And it was uh, encounter time about four or five months after I had started coming to church here. And Red had come over and was on me all the time about going to the encounter. And so I don't need to go to the encounter. I'm fine. Just leave me alone. But he kept on me about going to the encounter. Finally, I just said, you know what, I'm going to go. And I went. And there was a session that just rocked my world, and, and I've not been able to get this image out of my head since then. And it was the tail end of the encounter, and they showed a, a video from the Titanic. The Titanic had sunk. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people out in this icy cold water, just floating around, screaming and yelling for help. 
and they're dying. And there's lifeboats that are out there, but the lifeboats aren't looking for the people. And they panned in on this one lifeboat that was less than half empty, or less than half full. And they were all quiet in the lifeboat, and they weren't moving. They were just quiet. They were listening to the screams, knowing that people were dying. And there's this one lady that started to try and knock some sense in them and say, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Those are your husbands, your sons, your daughters, your family. Your wives are out there dying. What are you doing? Turn this lifeboat around. Let's get out there. Let's get them rescued. They wouldn't budge. Wouldn't budge. And she kept trying to plead with them, crying, kept trying to plead with them to turn the lifeboat around and go out. And finally, the leader of the lifeboat looked over and told her if she didn't shut up and sit down, he was going to throw her in the water. And that impacted me. It shook me. Because in a lot of ways, a lot of churches have become that way. The people forget about the mission, about the main thing. They're all about life enhancement. You know, they come to, to, to Christ with a problem. They come to Christ with a need. They come to Christ with, with something that they can't fix. And they're focused and fixated on that. It's about God fixing their problem, enhancing their life so they can get back on and do what they want to do. And they get in the boat, they feel secure, they feel safe, and they don't want to go out. And they don't want to rescue anyone. I'm telling you, we're on a rescue mission. It's not about us. We need to get up and get over to the side of the boat, get our hands over to the side of the boat, and do all we can to grab anybody that we can grab in the time that we have. It's not about us. It's not about these church walls. It's not about the church of God. It's not about any denomination. It's not about titles. You know, he wants to use each and every one of us. It's about paying forward what we've been given. Paying it forward. I know that's a term that a lot of people understand. Pay it forward. God saved you because he has a purpose for you and he wants to use you. And our commander-in-chief has given us a mandate. He's given us marching orders. Our marching orders are to get busy, to be about his work. Go and make disciples. Connect them to my Father through me. Be there for them. Pour into them. Help them. Nurture them. Help them grow in their relationship with me. And then send them out. That's what it's about. I shared a message this week with Esperanza. So I was praying these last couple of weeks, trying to plead with God to give me a message that was going to inspire for people to apply God's word. Because a lot of the time we know what God wants. We know what we're supposed to do. But for some reason we just don't do it. You know, why is it that, that some weeks people's on fire for the Lord and another week they're not? You know, one month they're all about doing all they can for God and then another week, they're, another month they're not. You know, they're stable in church for a while and then next thing you know you don't see them anymore. You know, why is this this hot and cold going on so much. 
you know, and, and I, I said, God, what is that ingredient? What is that one thing that we need? What is that that's going to keep us motivated? It's going to keep us dedicated. It's going to keep us moving forward, as Pastor talked about this morning. What is that? I said, Lord, what is that? And then he took me to the encounter that Peter had with Jesus after Jesus had been resurrected. And Jesus went to Peter, and he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Peter answered back, Lord, you know I love you. Care for my sheep. Care for my sheep. And he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. He asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? The Bible says he got sad, the fact that he asked him a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And then he responded again by saying, care for my sheep. comes down to it that if it's love that's going to motivate us, it's the love for God specifically that's going to motivate us. And Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to demonstrate that love by caring for my sheep. You're going to demonstrate that love by going out and making disciples. You're going to demonstrate that love by trying to help people grow in their faith. You're going to demonstrate that love by setting the example for others to follow. So for being authentic in our faith, it has everything to do with with how well we're going to accomplish the work that God's called us to, to do. We're always being watched. Whether you like it or not, you're influencing someone. You may not think it, but someone's watching you and somebody's judging you. And they're making a decision if they want to be part of what you're part of just by the way you're living. We don't even know that. But they're watching us all the time. So it's important that we're authentic. You know, so when we talk about authenticity, you know, we need to know, well, what is that? What's it look like? You know, what's, why is it important? You know, and, and what do I need to do? You know, Pastor talked about one of the topics about what it looks like in his message last week when he talked about see me, see the Father. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, if we're going to be authentic in our faith, if we're going to be Christians, then it's not about them seeing us, it's about them seeing Jesus. You know, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, jump into different page. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary describes authentic as real or genuine, not copied or false, true and accurate, made to be or look just like an original. So if we're going to be true to the description and we're going to apply this to our Christianity, it means that we're going to be real and genuine in our faith. We're not going to be copies of someone else or live a double life that we live true and accurate to the word of God, they should see that we are making every effort in every area of our lives to be made into look just like the original. doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. No, we're not going to be perfect. But they're going to see us trying to do everything that we can to be made into perfection. And it's the process that's going to inspire people. It's a process that's going to, that's going to motivate people because they say, wow, if Richard can do it, I can do it. You know, and it's that, it's that process that's going to motivate people. But being authentic is being an exact copy of the original. 
this being an exact copy, the authenticity of our faith is validated by the manifestation of the characteristics of Christ living in us, growing in us and continuously being outwardly expressed to others by our attitude, by our actions, and by our words. When people see us, they need to see Christ. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. But why is it important? It's important because it directly influences our success in the work that God's called us to do. It directly influences it. Why was Jesus so successful? I mean, if you read about Jesus, and when he was ministering to people, multitudes of people tried to find him. I mean, he was always being followed by multitudes of people. But why was that? Was it because they knew he was the son of God? Or because it was who he was, as far as his character, his attitude, and how he treated people, how he loved. I mean, he was able to connect with anyone. Was able to meet them in their need. Was able to, to, to connect with them down at their level and minister to them. He loved them. He showed them compassion. He showed them mercy. He poured into them. He healed them. He was all about serving. And it was those testimonies of what Jesus did for others, his, the testimonies of his love, the testimonies of how he was compassionate, the testimonies of how he made people feel important, made them feel like they, they were something special, is what went to multitudes. And they sought him out. They sought him out. And if we would live like that, if we would be compassionate, merciful, full of love, all about lifting others up, sacrificing. People's going to see that. and We're going to become just like the image of Christ, and we're going to draw multitudes of people to him. It's about what they see in us. Because at the end of the day, it's not about Brian. It's about how much of Christ they see in me. It's not about me. I can feel, feel pretty comfortable about where I've come from so far. You know, my, I come from a, a broken family that was devastated by drugs and alcohol. I grew up in a violent home with a lot of abuse mentally and physically. You know, I was born here in Dayton, but my father took us to California because it was easier for him to get the drugs from Mexico. You know, and I grew up in a, in a difficult environment. Went to a lot of schools. I can't, I can't even tell you how many schools I went to because we was always moving. And I can be completely thankful and satisfied with where I'm at in life right now because at least my children have a better opportunity than I have. At least my children are serving the Lord. They may not have everything that they want, but they have a lot more than I had, and I broke the cycle in my, my family's life. I could be thankful for that and satisfied, but it's not about that. I remember that because it keeps me where I need to be with the Lord. It keeps me hungry, keeps me on fire, keeps me passionate. I remember that, but it's not about that. It's about how much of Christ do people see in me. You know, sometimes... It's easy for us to judge ourselves, you know, for me to, to judge myself against Albert or 
against my wife or somebody else and say, you know what, I'm doing a little bit better than him. I think I'm okay. Or I'm doing a little bit better than her. I think I'm okay. Or at least I don't have the attitude problem that he has or, or whatever. I mean, it's real easy for us to judge ourselves amongst our peers and feel confident with that. And uh, to be complacent because if I can just do a little bit more than what everybody else is doing, I'm doing good. The problem is they're not the standard. They're not the standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. And when we start to compare ourselves to him, we realize that we have a long way to go. A long way to go. Long way to go. And I know that I have a long way to go. I'm happy where I'm at. But I'm not satisfied. We have a lot of influence on the decisions people's going to make in their life to dedicate themselves to Christ or not based on how we live our life, based on who they see in us. You know, I've experienced both sides of this equation, the good and the bad. When I wasn't a Christian, the first group of people that came and tried to, to convert me over to Christianity were not a good influence to me. There were people that I didn't want to have any part of. They were full of religion. They were judgmental. They weren't loving. You know, they, they were living a systematic life. And I didn't see anything in them that, that motivated me to want to be part of what they were part of or to even be like them. You know, they had a condemning, judgmental attitude. And as I said, they were religious. And I want to touch on these two things real quick. We have to be very careful that we don't have that judgmental attitude. You know that everybody knows John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. But it's 3.17 that a lot of people don't pay attention to. It's for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. The church is not here to condemn anyone. The people that come in here know, they know where they are. They don't need us to tell them why they're, where they're at. They need us to help them get out of where they're at. We're not here to condemn anyone. Jesus didn't condemn. Look in the Bible, who did he argue with when he did argue with somebody? The religious people. The ones that were condemning others is the ones that he argued with. He showed love and compassion to the sinner. Love and compassion to the mixed up, messed up people in this world. And that's what we need to do. We need to show them love and compassion. We'd be like the father, the prodigal son. I mean, the prodigal son took his inheritance, ran off, and just lived the way he wanted to live. And when he came back, the father didn't give him the right act and say, well, I told you you was going to. No, the, the Bible says that he ran to him, that he ran to him, and he loved on him, and he put a ring on him, and he put a robe on and put sandals on his feet, and he wanted to throw a feast in his honor. That's what we need to be. We need to be like 
fathers of the prodigal son. As sinners come in here, we just need to love on them. Love on them. And this religious attitude, the, that I know better than you mentality. You know, always quoting scripture and, and using scripture like a weapon to beat somebody with. You know, this, this is supposed to be a weapon against the enemy. But there's a lot of people, unfortunately, in the church that use this to hurt people. To hurt people that are already hurt. To hurt them. Trying to tell them what they're doing wrong. Trying to tell them that they're where they're at because of this scripture or that scripture. What's going to happen to them if they're going to burn in hell and this, that, and the other if they don't change their ways. That's not what this is for. The Bible is to be applied in our life so we can help people, so we can show them by an example because we need examples. Because Paul said to follow my example as I follow Christ. We need godly examples. That's the best way we're going to help people is if they see us living this word. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first move the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Can't be much more clear than that. Basically, read this word, understand this word, Learn this word, apply this word, and then look at yourself and look at all the, the stains in your own heart and repair yourself through the application of God's word. And then that process is going to help you help someone else. But it's a lot easier to tell other people how they need to live than for us to make the changes in our own life. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we show ourselves approved? By having some kind of a contest in here and to see who has the superior Bible knowledge? Because we can memorize every scripture in the Bible from front to back? No, we show ourselves approved by applying God's word in our life. By them seeing it living in us. That's how we show ourselves approved. The second group of people that came to visit me, and unfortunately it was many years later, they were different. I tried to run from them the best I could. Because for me, all Christians were the same at that point. They're all full of religion, following a system, and I didn't want to have any, any part of that. I didn't see anything different in them than the way I was living. But this second group of people, they just wouldn't give up. They wouldn't give up. They loved on me. They cared for me. They served me. As bad as I treated them and as bad as I talked to them, they never, ever gave up on me. They were always there for me. They loved me. They served me. All the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. No matter what I did, they were always there for me. I mean, just, just 
as an extreme, they showed up at my work at lunchtime, a couple of them, just to make sure everything was okay with me because they hadn't seen me for two weeks. They just wanted to make sure I was okay. They would call me and come over to my home just to make sure everything's okay with me and my wife and my kids. I mean, they were always there for me. I didn't go to church. They didn't condemn me for that. Hey, can I help you, Brian? Is there anything I can do for you? Can I pray for you? Is there anything that you need? They were just loving me and serving me. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus first met the need. He first served. He first loved and healed. And then because of that, the people wanted to follow him. They won me over with their love, and they loved me to the cross. That's what we need to do. We need to love people to the cross. They need to see God's love manifested in us. And in, us, in order for us to, to have that, in order for us to, to be images of Christ, reflections of Christ to the world, to be full of his love, his compassion, his mercy, in order for people to see us living in obedience to his word, it requires two things from us. Like I said, I was going to say what we need to do. We've talked about what authenticity looks like, how it influences, and now we need to do. What we need to do is, is something a lot of people don't like. It's change. It's change. A lot of people are threatened by change. They don't like change. They get comfortable. They get into a routine. Everything's under control in their life. Change is just a variable that's going to mix that all up and mess it up. You lose control. But if you really think about it, we're not truly ever in control. We think we're in control. But God's really in control. You know, and change is, is what's going to keep us moving forward. We need to constantly do a self-evaluation of where we are, where we stand. How do I compare to Christ? You know, am I loving like him? Am I serving like him? Am I forgiving like him? Am I dedicated like him? You know, where am I? What's important to me? The pursuit of being authentic, is that important to me or am I pursuing my career? Am I pursuing my position or my power or my title? You know, what is it that I'm pursuing? You know, we have to constantly make changes in our life, alter our course, humble ourselves. The Bible says that Christ came in the form of a man and he humbled himself and lived as a servant. We need to be willing to humble ourselves. We need accountability partners in our life. People that we can trust, that we can confide in. I got several sitting right here. All of Esperanza is my accountability partner. I don't hide nothing on Thursdays. I'm transparent. I love it. We need those kind of people that's in our life. People that's not going to judge you, but that's going to help you. Because they want to see you grow in your relationship with Christ. We need those. We need to be willing to make the tough decisions and cut influences that aren't benefiting us. That are distracting us. From keeping the main thing the main thing. Oh, well, that person's been my friend forever. Oh, I, I love her. Well, you know what? You can still love her, but you need to get back on the path. Or you can still love him, but you need to get back on the path. You know, we need to be willing to cut those influences that aren't benefiting us. That's going to distract us and keep us from doing what God wants us to do. We need to be willing to sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice now? For later. I like something that Dave Ramsey says, and it's always applied towards money, but actually you can apply it towards your eternal life. 
Dave Ramsey says you need to live like no other now. So what? So you can live like no other later. Well, we need to do that in our spiritual lives. We need to live like no other now so we can live like no other later for eternity. So we need to be willing to sacrifice. We need to be willing to change. We need to be willing to accept the fact that we're not perfect, that we haven't learned it all. Like Paul says, he hadn't attained it all. He hadn't attained it all. We need to be willing to understand that and that we're always going to be in this continual process of growth, this continual process of change, this continual process of trying to become like Christ. Amen. I ask you all to stand at this time right now. Pastor Ray said to me several times in the past that a good message can be shared in 20 minutes. And if it's longer than that, it's because you want to talk. And I've been talking for 10. So I'm going to ask you right now if you close your eyes. Just close your eyes and meditate on your life, where you're at. You know, you could be living a routine right now. I don't know where you're at. You could feel distant from God. But it's not too late. The life book can still be turned around. There's still work to be done. What is it that's in your life that's keeping you from being the person that God's called you to be, to be dedicated to the work that he's called you to do? If you feel that you've been distant, the fire's not been in your heart, you've not been passionate, let's pray tonight that he would relight that fire. You relight that passion, that that love would come back, that you would be motivated more than ever to pursue him and to pursue the work he's had prepared for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you tonight. We thank you for the time that we've had to be here in this place, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for where you've been taking us. Let's focus on being real, being authentic, being genuine in our faith, Lord. And we understand that we're being watched and, and how we're living is impacting the world and people's making decisions on a daily basis on if they want to follow you or not based on what they see in us. Lord, we ask tonight that you would reveal to us those things in our lives that we need to change, those things that we need to set aside, those things that we need to sacrifice to get back on track, to anchor ourselves back into that right relationship with you. Or to get back to the main thing, the focus on what we're here for. To be on the rescue mission. Lord, I ask that you would bless each and every one tonight. Lord, I ask that you would move in their lives in a special way. Lord, they would feel your presence and your love, Lord. And that they would grow in love with you. Lord, and that the world would see this love through them, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray tonight. Amen. I'm going to pass it to our pastor. Amen. Well, how many of you enjoyed this message tonight by Pastor Brian? Amen.
did want us to join together in one more mode of prayer. The way the service worked earlier, we were uh, not up here actually talking about prayer requests, but Mike Hay gave me a, a prayer need for a, a child by the name of Aiden Smith. Is that right? Was it Aiden Smith? In desperate need of a miracle tonight. And so we want to, uh, we want to lift this child up in a, in a closing prayer. We've just prayed, but I want us to pray again and ask God to touch this child. According to Mike, what he says is that this little baby, without a miracle of the Lord, will, uh, will not make it. So we want to pray for this child and ask God to touch him. I believe there's more than two or three here. And the Bible says if two or three will agree and touch a need like this, that there'll be a miracle take place. How many of you want to believe for a miracle for this little baby? We're going to do that. So let's pray. Let me remind you again, Wednesday night, the anchors, is it four of them? Four anchors. Marty's been, he'll be teaching and preaching about on Wednesday night. So you want to be here starting at seven o'clock. Be careful as you go out. They were telling all kinds of stuff. Pray for New York City. I understand they're going to have the worst blizzard they've ever had in their history. And um, it's what came through here is rains going there to wreak havoc. So we want to we want to pray for them. Be careful going home. I heard it was going to get a little bit colder, so it could be a little slick outside. I love you. Brian, thank you. You ministered to me. I'm so delighted I got to go to church tonight. Amen. I think it's a beautiful message to kind of culminate and end to our series on being authentic. The fast, the prayer life that is acceptable before God. Do me a favor. I want you to, we are the church. And I like what, what he talked about, about you know, using the word to lift one another up and help one another. And using our, our spiritual life to, to be an assist to one another. And I want you to look around today. I don't know of anybody who purposely, who purposely wants to have troubles and trials in their lives or wants to feel like they, you know, they're not on, uh, on fire or, or they're not doing right. And I think everybody, everybody wants to do right. I, I trust in people's motives. But sometimes people feel apart. They feel, feel like they got friends. And sometimes they don't. Would you be very sensitive would you be sensitive to, as you leave here tonight and then every service from here on out, would you just look around? Would you look people right in the eye? Take just a moment. You know, stop, smile at them, shake their hand, talk to them for a minute. Don't just go to your same old, same old bunch. Don't just go to the ones you talk to every service. Find people that need a hug or need a handshake or just need a smile. Let's start being the friendliest church on the face of the earth. And I don't think anybody should ever walk out of here and nobody had spoken to them unless they're, you know, unless they just absolutely looked at you and poked you in the eye and, and then forget it. But let's not let anybody get out from underneath us without feeling love and feeling like they're part of the church family. I think we're one beautiful, wonderful group of people. And I know the Lord is coming. And I want us to do as much as we can do as we get ready for his coming. Amen. Father, as we come before you, we thank you tonight for your presence, the word that we have heard. And God, I ask you specifically as we come together and pray for this little child, 
Pray for Aiden Smith. The Lord, you would touch this baby. Minister in a healing touch. We believe in the power of God to speak life over him and ask you to minister right now to his family, to him physically. Touch him by your Holy Spirit. If a miracle is needed, the Lord, a miracle is what we're praying for. You're the God of the impossible, and we ask you to touch him tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, this to be done to your glory and honor. We give you all the praise for it. We thank you. Now, as we go from this place, Lord, the church is not dismissed, but the church is literally leaving the building to go out among our community to make a difference everywhere that we go. If we go out to eat, God, may the servers be delighted and blessed when they see us come. And Lord, if we're going home, may our family enjoy us and love the private time and the intimate time together. I pray in the name of Jesus, our friends, our family, and our church family will know us in a beautiful way as we represent and look just like Jesus. In your name we pray. We thank you tonight, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you.